Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Continuing down this journey of the past 25 years of Ravens history, and it's, it's been great to do these episodes. Tonight, got another really important one in Ravens history, the hiring of John Harbaugh. And that is a, as a kind of a turning point for the Ravens organization. We're going to look at that a little bit today. And joining me to talk about it is Brad McGowan. Brad, thanks so much, first of all, for being on. Thank you, Ken, for having me. All right. A great topic choice. Uh, you know, we, we certainly want to hear uh, what you have to say. I want to set this up a little bit in terms of the Billick era, and we'll kind of work through this pretty quickly. But Brian Billick, of course, became the coach in 1999, uh, had good years with the Ravens, as we know, in 2000, 2001, again, a playoff team, 2003, the, the division champions, and then 2006, again, another division championship team. A lot of people had, had favored for the Super Bowl that did not get it done. Uh, it, Brought in McNair to get that done. 2007, uh, Billick's fortunes started to fade pretty sharply. Uh, the team started decently against a very weak schedule in early 2007. They won games 
uh, ugly, uh, and I'll say, and they had a lot of injuries, particularly the secondary. And then it came around to uh, the final 10 games of the season, they went one and nine. Uh, so during that offseason, the story is Billick, uh, or sorry, not Billick, but uh, Bishotti uh, roamed the clubhouse and just kind of determined that he had, Billick had lost that clubhouse. I, I mean, it was an interesting time for the Ravens. Billick was brought in and he was considered an offensive guru. He had presided as offensive coordinator over those uh, Minnesota teams with Randall Cunningham and Brad Johnson lighting it up, came in as head coach of the Ravens. And the, while the Ravens were successful, they were a defensive team and they really never had that offensive firepower that, um, is really exciting to watch. And as a Ravens fan, I really loved seeing that defense, but that was that 07 era was the 07 Pats, the 16 and 0 season, Tom Brady to Randy Moss. And so offense was really lighting it up. And it was kind of an interesting time as a Ravens fan there. Yeah. It, it, the Ravens actually very sharp transition in their history because they went from never having a franchise quarterback, unless you want count test of air day. <laughs> uh, to to drafting Flacco at 08 at the very beginning of the Harbaugh era, hitting that one with a, mm-hmm. with a quarterback who took him to a Super Bowl and five straight playoffs, tremendous record on the road in the playoffs in particular, but tre- tremendous overall playoff record, and then immediately drafting their next franchise quarterback in Lamar Jackson without missing a beat and being able to have basically a painless transition between the two during a team where during a year where the team actually made the playoffs how rare that is first of all to have two franchise quarterbacks over a 13-year period and that smooth smooth transition yeah and i think it 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 really speaks to overall the leadership in the organization set down from bashadi through um you know ozzy at the time and and dick cass and transitioning into eric DaCosta, but just You know, I think the thing that I wanted to hit on specifically with the Harbaugh hire is it's well acknowledged in NFL circles and, you know, among us as fans that the Ravens have had incredible leadership. But, you know, going into that hire, they actually favored a different candidate. And even though the leadership is, you know, you can second guess them about a choice here and there, but overall they've been exceptional. You know, in in this pivotal moment, they actually would have preferred mm-hmm. someone other than Harbaugh. Yeah, and fortune certainly went their way. In, and uh, Jerry Jones came along with a bag of money that he gave to uh, Garrett and said, hey, stay on as assistant head coach. He became head coach of the Cowboys, I think, three years later, not until 2011, if I recall correctly. Uh, but they, they had him stay, and that forced the Ravens to move down one to their second choice. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's interesting. So that season, Garrett was – it was his first full season as offensive coordinator of the Cowboys. And they uh, – you know, I was looking this up. They went 13-3 and three that year, and they were actually 12-1 and one and lost two of their last three games. As likely, they were resting their starters. But that was Romo's second year. And if you look at his production across the board, that was actually the year that he had his second-best QBR of – his career. And so at that time, you know, Garrett was considered the hot offensive commodity. Mm -hmm. So for us, Baltimoreans being used to punishing defense, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, and the like, 
the idea of getting an offensive minded head coach in here to kind of really flip things. That was pretty exciting for us. And I remember being as a personal fan, incredibly excited about the prospects of Jason Garrett. Yeah, I, I agree. And that was, that was my feeling at the time too. Uh, you know, I've read about a lot, this, uh, a lot about the process of hiring Harbaugh after the fact, and the process is a lot more impressive than the actual order of choices that, <laughs> that, that, that I think that Bishotti went through. And he actually published something for all the season ticket holders where they got a little magazine that described in, in excruciating detail how they had gone around and talked to Garrett and they had and they had brought him in and they had these interviews and they brought Harbaugh in and they had all these interviews. And it's like, you know, so-and-so talked to him in the van on the way from the airport to the, to the castle. And then he talked to A and B and C and D and E. And it really just gave you a great sense. And they kind of tied together what opinions they had of him, uh, of each candidate. They liked Garrett more. You know, they made the, the offer to him. And, uh, you know, very fortunately for the Ravens, he, he ended up declining it. Yeah, and I um, I remember specifically um, a good friend of mine was a was a Patriots fan, and obviously the Patriots had come off that sixteen and zero season. They didn't win the Super Bowl, you know. Uh, no disrespect to my friend, but I was grateful for that. But I remember specifically where I was when they announced the hiring of John Harbaugh, and I remember thinking a special teams coach from the Eagles. WTF. And I remember specifically texting, you know, him and some of my other friends just thinking, what are they went from Jason Garrett, the bell of the ball, offensive minded head coach was going to set the franchise right from an offensive standpoint to this guy that, you know, I was familiar with the Harbaugh name. I knew who Jim was. Uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh actually at that time was the Stanford head coach. But thinking, what? possibly how, how possibly could you go from thinking you need an offensive transformation to now a special teams coach mm-hmm. and in some of the research i was looking at uh when uh looking back at the old articles announcing harbaugh's hiring uh they said that it's uncommon for a coach without offensive or defensive Very. coordinator responsibilities to be hired as a head coach and the two that they mentioned as examples were tony sperano and uh herm edwards and they neither of them turned out to be <laughs> excellent head coaches. But alas, here we are with Harbaugh, much to, uh, you know, our good fortune, I guess you could say. Certainly in the end, he'd, he'd spent uh, 10 years, I believe, coaching with the Eagles. About eight or nine of them had been on as the special teams coordinator or, or in very special teams roles leading up to coordinator. He was the secondary coach at the time he was hired. So he had taken on a, another uh, coaching role within that within that defense. Uh, but he had not been a coordinator. He had not been an offensive or defensive coordinator. One of the things that Bishotti mentioned about that was that he'd made his career in staffing, in, in, in hiring people with a lot of talent, but fairly thin resumes uh, for, for aerotech, uh, you know, an aerospace. Bishotti had. Staffing. Bishotti, Bishotti had. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, for hiring people with thin resumes, but a lot of talent to come in and, and, and work those jobs at, at aerotech. And, and then, of course, Harbaugh matches that to a T in terms of a guy he probably really liked personally. He saw leadership skills in him, had not, you know, 
coached at the highest levels in the NFL by by any stretch. Uh, hadn't played professional ball. He played college ball not not particularly well at Miami of Ohio. Uh, so you know, he really didn't have that much of a resume in terms of what would impress the players around him necessarily. Yeah, and you go back to that first season. Harbaugh comes in and in reading some of the articles uh, announcing his hiring and commentating about it, a lot of what uh, those articles pick uh, or identify as one of his um, you know, top qualities is the ability to motivate the players and get the most out of the players. And it's sort of, you know, kind of an interesting idea. So they draft Flacco in that off season and they start off. I remember where I was when I watched that first game against Cincinnati and they had the throwback pass to Flacco. Troy Smith throws that pass to Flacco and they win that game. They win the next game, but then they proceed to lose their, their next three and they're two and three, but they pick themselves up and they end up 11 and five down the stretch, make the playoffs. Great win in Miami. Yeah, the, that great win in Miami. I just want to go to a big yeah. Harbaugh moment there because that was the game he had to bench Chris McAllister. Mm. And McAllister never again played regularly for the Ravens, but they, they sat him down in that game, and he had, just hadn't been all that effective at the start of 08. Really had been torched in Indianapolis in the loss there that was one of the most one-sided, horrible games in Ravens history. We went. It was just awful to be there. Um, and it, it was a it was a game where they really – or it was a time when Harbaugh said, you know, we just needed to make a change. And he did it. And, and even as a first-year head coach – he took the risk and, the, and you know, the, the, the backlash that would come with a lot of that. Uh, that 2018 was not all roses on Harbaugh. In fact, there were a lot of players on the defensive side who thought Rex Ryan should have been chosen as the head coach. Uh, in fact, Ray Lewis really said Rex Ryan was the head coach at the end of that year. Rex Ryan, I sorry, Lewis ended up being a great ally of Harbaugh as the playoff years rolled on. But in that first year, he's kind of a pain in Harbaugh's butt, I think, uh, in terms of, of really favoring Ryan over Harbaugh. I think that marriage really needed to end when it did at the end of 2008. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting because uh, Rex was a pretty prominent personality in the Ravens organization going into that offseason. And he was one of the candidates they considered for the role and they had interviewed him as well. And, uh, you know, that 2006 team had a phenomenal defense. Um that that went 13 and three before the season that Billick is fired. And you could make a strong case that perhaps Rex was the guy for the job, especially that Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are the most prominent players on that, on that team. Um, But Harbaugh comes in and he manages to take that team that had finished five and 11 the year prior now with Joe Flacco to the AFC title game and a game that they damn near won. Yep. They certainly had a chance, and and uh, that that uh, that was a that was a great move. I mean, Ryan he had every right to look at his resume and say, "Look at me, look at John Harbaugh. My resume kills." Uh, his resume has never been a coordinator. I've been four years a coordinator with one of the best units in the league. Even when we were bad in 05 and 07, in 05, the defense was good. And not only that, I made do playing with three defensive backs on 265 snaps or something I always like to bring up. I knew how to use Adelis Thomas and I knew how to use Bart Scott and plaster over problems there. As a head coach, you know, I, I can do these things. Who is this guy? 
Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it would be very reasonable. And if you've ever been in a situation like that where you're considered as one of several candidates for a hiring job, you know, one of your things is I'm good and I think I stand on my own. But the other thing is, uh, how does the competition really look compared to me? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that you made the point about Lewis saying, Ryan really was the coach on that 08 team. It reminds me of the 85 Bears, who wasn't famously after they won the Super Bowl. The defense carried off Buddy Ryan and the offense carried off Mike Ditka because uh, they had that same sort of dichotomy internally with the organization. Um, but yeah, Ken, you know, the the last thing that I just wanted to say as a, as a Ravens fan over the years, just kind of looking back on the Harbaugh era and thinking specifically about this moment and how given what eventually happened in Garrett's career. Now we don't know that if the Ravens hire Garrett, that he's going to have the same career, but obviously from our standpoint, Harbaugh made the playoffs those first several years, wins the Super Bowl, the 2013 Super Bowl after the 2012 season. Um, and, you know, thinking where the organization is now, I remember specifically when I first came across your work on uh, Russell Street Report, um, it reading regularly on that site, it was in the post-Super Bowl era, and there was a stretch where it felt like the organization had gotten tired and that we weren't evolving with the times. And, that, you know, frankly, I was one of Harbaugh's biggest critics on the message boards in that era. Mm-hmm. And... They draft um, Lamar Jackson and Ozzy's last year as GM, Mm -hmm. start the season with Flacco, and Flacco gets that back injury. The team is struggling. I think they're four and five at that point. Harbaugh Harbaugh inserts Lamar, flips the offense, and all of a sudden he has the guts to do something that maybe no other head coach would have done. Entirely brace, embrace and offense built around a player with a singular skill set and say, even though all of the NFL is going this direction, we are going to go this direction. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it for the betterment of our organization, and our players. And they entirely bought in and they believed. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it really does pay to be a contrarian, generally speaking, investing, uh, being, being a coach, whatever it might be. But but the problem is that, that w- you, two areas where he's been a fairly significant contrarian or a leading edge kind of guy. One is in adopting uh, you know the offense the Ravens now have with Jackson and still evolving. I mean, my God, they, but they've let it run. I mean, it's got kind of having Babe Ruth come to baseball and, and, and not trying to hold him back in any way, but trying to actually figure out how to accentuate his abilities by changing the dimensions of Yankee Stadium or this kind of thing. I mean, I, I've been a proponent, actually, that the Ravens could have better playoff success if they built Lamar a dome. <laughs> so, it, but because it, a lot of the problems yeah. in January have been weather related, and and he's just not a great cold weather quarterback, uh, and and a wind quarterback maybe would be more accurately, and and if they build him a dome, that really could fix a lot of those problems. It'd be interesting for if, if Baltimore would ever be willing to do that. It's almost too late now to start because by the time you get it done, he's already in his eighth season or whatever. And, <laughs> sure, you know, that is sure. That's done. But the other thing is the fourth down stuff. You know, he embraced that before most other coaches did it. And the reason he was able to embrace it 
in large part is because he had the um, security of the organization knowing they had his back on this, that he, that he wasn't going to be, you know, talking at the podium every week about why he needed to keep his job, despite the fact that this one two point conversion decision or this fourth and three conversion decision did not work out. So I, I, I think that the, the organization has been great in terms of being a place where Harbaugh can, can succeed. Yeah. And I think, you know, really, the point of this podcast is talking about that point in time moment where they could have had Garrett and they ended up with Harbaugh and how fortunate we've been. But really, as I dug in on the research, the one thing that came back to me, and I think really the thing that I wanted to talk about when you said you were doing these pods for celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Ravens was just what you know, in a lot of ways, how fortunate we've been as fans with the unique organizational stability that they've had, um, you know, from day one with Medell coming, allowing Ozzy to do the first draft, Bashadi buying into the team, Bashadi taking over his ownership, but not necessarily needing to change immediately. And then they had the succession plan for Ozzy with Eric DaCosta and it's it's really when you look at it step back holistically it's pretty um you know pretty uncommon that an organization in professional sports would have such consistent vision within their leadership and consistent unification and you know as fans we got to see Lamar Jackson put up stats on Monday night that no one's ever seen before because the organization as a whole set established a culture that was confident enough to allow a player that no one had ever seen before and couldn't understand to, to grow into someone that is now changing the way the, the game is played. Yeah. I mean, no one can understand it. PFF can't even grade him properly. And, and it did be the first to admit it is that their, their systems don't work for him. You know, they, 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 they need to have some other factor that they include for it. You know, rushing yards over expectation doesn't, the model does not work for Lamar Jackson. It just, it's, it's completely broken. It's, 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 he's so special a talent that, you know, it, it was a, a little bit of a gamble in terms of, of making the pick, but you know, looking back at it, I, I, I think we'd say, how could they not have, you know, given, <laughs> given the, the opportunity there, but uh, a wonderful move. And, you know, a lot of people forget sometimes they had to trade back into round one. I mean, it wasn't the Ravens typical mode of operation to do that, but they traded back into round one to get Jackson. And of course that coming um, in, in Ozzy's last year of the draft is, is a little bit of a misnomer because Ozzy's still around and he's still sitting right next to Eric DaCosta on draft day. It's, you know, it, right. that's the, con- the consistency the organization have had. Those two have both been in those chairs. A different one has the final call, but they've, they've both been around all, all 25 years. Exactly. And they've done it in an organization that makes it safe to make a mistake for the purpose of doing what you believe is best. And that's been awesome to see. It's been awesome to see. It really has. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a very key inflection point in, in Ravens history and one I thought was really worth discussing. Brad, thanks so much for coming on. This is, this is a, just the kind of discussion we want to have about this kind of narrow, highly focused in terms of a single topic. Really appreciate you doing this. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Sure. I'm on uh, Twitter, MC Bradley. Um, I'm again, like I'm not normally tweeting unless I'm sending Ken a note asking a question for his podcast. 
No, really appreciate that. And, and uh, other folks out there, you're hearing, uh, Brad, please send me a, a DM on Twitter. My DMs are open. Uh, two or three bullets on what you want to talk about. You know, I, I'd like to talk about Corey Ivey. I'd like to talk about uh, Ralph Staten. I'd like to talk about, you know, some other player from the, from the past who, who didn't work out or who the Ravens let go to early or whatever it might be. Um, those are great topics and, and focused as possible for as much depth as possible is always good. Brad, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.